thank you for uh, joining us for Ivy Say School today. Um, sure are looking forward to camping on 1 Corinthians 12, but before you go there, there's two 12s and two 4s. Uh, there's Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 that, uh, that we might read uh, before that on this idea of uh, spiritual gifts. Lord willing, when the heavy hitters are back next week, we have prophecy, and Mark has been talking about this for really a couple of years. So I know he's looking forward to getting back and talking about prophecy. Um, to be controversial, tongues after that, and then the 31st um, Reformation Sunday. I think we want to go over the five solas, kind of do Reformation. Hopefully Papa Fred will be wearing his Martin Luther costume, and that should, should add to that. And so. Um, that's the kind of the plan for the next three weeks, but um, Grudem, and I don't know that we're going to completely line up with him uh, on spiritual gifts, but that's where we're to in the book. And so today we're going to just mostly focus on a big picture, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12. Josh, would you pray? Uh, and we'll take a look at some of these other lists of gifts and then uh, begin to camp in the 1 Corinthians 12. Father, thank you for giving us this time to look at your word in this important portion of scripture that we need to teach clearly and that you would be greatly glorified and that the body of North Avenue Church would be built up in love and ask the same in Christ. Amen. For, uh, Romans 12, there's four, I guess you would say, lists, some of them a little longer, some of them a little shorter, 20, 21 different gifts uh, listed in scripture, spiritual gifts. Uh, listed in scripture, different than the talents that God has also given us, those he's sovereign and given us both of them. But the Romans 12, Grant, would you read starting in verse 3 and maybe go all the way to um, 8. But before you read, please look. I'm fascinated with this and have not known this until a couple of days ago. But these, these lists of gifts are... Um, surrounded by love and humility. Kind of on both sides of them. There's a lot about love and humility in the context of these gifts, or like my sixth graders would say, love and humidity. So we've got a, uh, a lot here on those two that make it all the, the emphasis all the more on the spiritual gifts. How about it? Great, three days. For by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than not to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not, do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that occur according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, so I think seven of them uh, listed there. We'd like you to see verse 3. Not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. It seems like Paul is getting there with the, with the Corinthians. Remember the Corinthian church had all kinds of issues, but one of them might be a little flashy with uh, with their gifts. If they saw those gifts, the ones that were uh, a little bit, hey, look at me, those were the ones that they were kind of thinking were a little 
better and the ones that they focused on. Turn over to Ephesians 4 if you would. Um, also, very interesting passage. Um, 9 and 10. Ooh, those are hard. Let's start in 11. Because 9 and 10 are hard. Ephesians chapter 4. Again, just an overview here. Um, look at 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the, and teachers to do what? Why did he give us those um, gifted people? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And so someone said the work of the teacher, in our case the elders, is not necessarily to do the work. It's to see that the work gets done. It's to equip the rest of the saints to do the work of multiplication, right? We're not going to see the same people that you're going to see this week. You have the chance to do that. It's our job to equip um, as elders to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried out by every wind and doctrine, but human cunning by craftiness or deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in what? In love. Once again, in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. With each part, is working profit, properly. I think we're going to see that all afternoon here. Each prop, part needs to work properly for the whole body to work as it ought to. Making the body grow so that it builds each uh, itself up in love once again. One final one. First Peter. Turn to First Peter 4. We have two 12s and two 4s. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, not as long, not really a list as much, but um, Josh, how about starting with 7, just because seven's too good to miss out on, and go all the way, if you would, um, to 11. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Good. Thanks. I think you probably have heard this before. They're speaking gifts and serving gifts. And here, although I haven't known this in my first two centuries of life, that this right here is, I believe, where we would get that. Look at verse um, 10 again. As each has received a gift, you to serve one another as good stewards. And then whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength God supplies. They're serving gifts and they're speaking gifts. But they're all equally as important. Now, that being said, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 
Turn the push gun units both. And this is where we want to camp the rest of the time. Um, an absolutely incredible passage. There's a lot that we're not going to get to. But what we have to think about today, um, I hope you find it helpful. Chapter 12, let me start in verse 1. And uh, I'm going to read to verse 11. Then we'll let Josh tackle 12 to um, 19. I mean, uh, Grant will, and then uh, Josh will finish this off here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So I think he wants us to remember um, the Corinthians and probably us to say, before we were believers, there was no opportunity to use spiritual gift. That spiritual giftedness only happens at the time of conversion to every single believer. Look at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Um, I think it was Alistair Begg, maybe Calvin both that pointed out the Trinity there. The Spirit in four, the Lord in five, and God the Father in six, who empowers them all to everyone. I want to come back to that in a second, that he empowers because all the verbs that are reminded that I guess um, 23 weeks from the day, Alan, when he studied Romans, found that in Romans 4 and 5, all the verbs in that part, when you're talking about justification, are attributed to God. God's the one that does all the work in justification. Here we see the same thing. God is sovereign in how we are gifted. Right? And there isn't any two ways about that. I want to show you five words that uh, I had never seen before in here that are a great reminder of that. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And the one is given through the Spirit to utterance of wisdom, to one utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. I have to talk, uh, stop just one second um, and do another of the working of miracles. John Calvin was funny and Beg laughed at him too at this. He said, when he got to this in his commentary, he said, uh, everybody understands. Did you see that? Everybody understands the, uh, the, what it means for the working of miracles. And I wanted to say, well, wait a second. I don't understand that exactly. What? And then Beg said the same thing. He's like, what is he saying? And that he didn't even comment on it. Ben speculated that he didn't know either. Exactly. So that's what happens. But it, um, I, it made me it made me chuckle about that. That that's all he said about it. In another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kind of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered to one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually. Now, if you're like me, you have two weeks of questions here on this list. But, we're not going to tackle that right now, but what we do want to see, fascinatingly, 
is how sure we can be that God sovereignly gives every single believer the exact gifts that he wants them to have. Look at verse 6 again. The same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay, he empowers them. Look at the verb in verse 11. He apportions to each one individually, just as he wills. There isn't anybody else you can't desire a certain gift and get it. It's not a deal where you... Now, certainly once we're gifted, we can hone those gifts, right? We, As we're sanctified, we grow in our ability to use them. But only God orchestrated your giftedness perfectly. Perfectly. There isn't any reason to ever think that that's not true from this passage. Look at verse um, 18. But it is God who arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Once again, as he chose. Look at 24. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. 28. And God has appointed to the church first apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles. Right? So look at those five verbs. Is that not incredible? Empowers, apportions, arranged, composed, um, appointed. God has done all of that sovereignly. Now, let me ask you this. And, and anybody comment on this, and you don't have to even raise your hand. Just throw out some ideas. Because we know that God is sovereign in how he um, appointed the gifts, how should that impact us just in our daily life? What's the application of that? Someone just throw out some. I think there's got to be at least a half a dozen here. Probably two dozen. What do you think? If God sovereignly gave us the gifts that we have, and he and he has, certainly, what does that mean? You have to start calling on people. <laughs> Josh, you know what that means. Alright, good. There's a purpose. Right. Absolutely there is. And it is for your ministry at home. It's for your ministry at work. It's your ministry in the body that God's put you in, but there is a specific purpose, and it is not willy-nilly or accidental. Absolutely good. What else? Good. Absolutely. God's good. Do you say God's driven? Yeah, absolutely. He's the one who's going to give you the energy, the willingness, the ability to use them. No, I love that. I hadn't thought about that. What else? Good, absolutely. They have to be used for His glory. Which sounded like a problem in the in the church in Corinthians, uh, in the Corinth church. It may have not always been for that. Might have been this kind of again say, "Hey, look at me." And isn't that a little tempting for us? Probably. That's a little convicting to hear you say that. Sometimes we may not. We might want people to say, "Hey, look at my giftedness here." Especially in the speaking gifts, maybe more than in the serving gifts. Really good. What else? If God's sovereign in the way he's gifted you, what does that mean? It's no mistake. 
Good, no mistake. Absolutely, it's perfect. Yeah? So now following that, what does that mean? Because it's no mistake in the way you were gifted, go that and run with that a little bit. I'm thinking if it's no mistake in the way he's gifted me, then I really shouldn't be envious of someone else's gift. Right? Because that's not the one he chose to give me. He chose to give me the gifts that I have. And so I need to be completely content. Josh, can you, you were talking about that a little bit. Could you comment on that? And that might be coming from your passage too, but I really liked your insights on that. Yeah, I think when we realize God's given all of the members of a church certain gifts for the building up of the body, for his glory, um, it drives out envy completely. There's, there's no room for envy because what we're saying when we're envious or wanting what someone else may have is that maybe God wasn't thinking right when he gave us the gifts that he gave us and we certainly don't want to go there because we know he's a wise father and um, he doesn't need our counsel and what he gives is ultimately best and we can be sure of that. Yeah, we'll probably come to that a little bit more. I love that. And then the idea is that, well, man, we can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, right? We can really cheer when, um, and Chronic, this probably, you probably knew this was coming, but as Chronic has this gift of evangelism that is really, really perfectly, sovereignly given to him for his ministry, that the rest of us can just be so thrilled that Josh is on our team, right? We don't have to say, man, I wish I had that same sort of him, which I do kind of, but that's not, <laughs> I don't have to envy that, right? That's not... I, we're all gifted in a different way, but perfectly, and for God's glory. I just think that is a thrilling thing to remember, and it would take away all envy. It helps us to really come along other people because that's what we're made to do, right? And not, not only in the local church, although that's the body I think that we're talking about, but the universal church, your place at work, Use your giftedness to whatever. I, I love my uh, Pastor Riddle that um, I worked with in Myrtle Beach. He was a really, really big believer to say, we're only going to use you where you're gifted. And that's why he banned me from the office. He said, you got one hour. He knew I couldn't administrate my way out of a paper bag. He's like, you don't need to be in here. Get out of there and see somebody. I was like, good deal. I got the right job. I didn't want to be in there. He didn't want to be in the office for more than an hour. He could administrate the same as I did, right? And so there's, but there are other people there that could that God would use for that. And so, I think that's an important thing. Grant, could you start us there in twelve, and maybe read the passage and then help us to understand some of that? Yeah. Well, I just want to say real quick um, on that topic, the importance of understanding that it's God who sovereignly gives us the gifts that we have and the envy of what is so, I think sometimes uh, it's not so much the envy of the actual gift that the other person has, it's maybe the envy of the recognition of the gift that they get from their local body or those around them. And I think that is, um, I think it portrays something a little more sinister in, in our hearts than simply just envy of the gift because um, it shows the primary goal in our hearts for the gifting, or the desire that we have for the gifting is not uh, in service to our 
uh, local body for the Georgia Club, but it's for our own self, for the grandizing, for self glory. Um, I think like, a guy I like to read says that just like Judas, who was slipping uh, money from the money bag, we want to just take a little bit of glory and, and slip it into our pockets as we, as we go along. And that's the furthest thing that we, we want to be away from. That. We want to, I don't think I'm slipping into your section, but rejoice that Josh Bronick is has this remarkable gift of just approaching people so casually and striking up a conversation about Romans. Yeah. It's a remarkable thing. Not something to envy, so it's something to rejoice and, and cheer for to Ingrid's. But So starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one that has many members, and all the members of the body are many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, there would be the sense of hearing. If the whole body were an ear, there would be the sense of smell. But as, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So from this, I think I see two, two different directions that uh, could be temptations. Well, one could be we're, we're envious of others who have a gifting that we don't think a sovereign gave to them. But the other is um, we can start feeling like we don't have a gifting and our gifting isn't useful for us. Our local body, there's no place for us in the church. Um, you might be saying, um, you know, with the fruits that say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, not make it any less part of the body. So I think there is that temptation for, for both sides. We can be sort of self aggrandizing, wanting to be the center of attention, or we could go the other way. Um, or just sort of self-effacing to a to a wrong degree where we're of no use to our local body saying, I don't have a really good thing that's uh, valuable to my community. But we know that because God has given us each sovereignly our own gifting and therefore the building up of the church, that there is a purpose for that gifting. And the body is not complete without it. Uh, we're not understanding that God apportions the gifts as he will and there's no mistake that he's doing it that way. And the one that we have, or the mixture of the ones that we have, are essential for the proper functioning of the entire body, which we, we just, you know, the necessary, how necessary it is. Um, Can I stop you a second, Grant, to talk to us about that mixture? Because we didn't really talk about that very well at, at the start. How, MacArthur says it's like a snowflake, or, or yeah, no, it's not like anybody else's. Can you talk about that kind of that mixture there of what kind of, how God does that possibly? Yeah, I think MacArthur was saying that um, we may have gifts that are similar in a category to others, whether it's a speaking gift or a serving gift, uh, but the way God has apportioned us and the way he's created us, we're each individual and our personality and our gift and we come out like as an individual stuff like this, I think, that would be totally unique to us. And, yeah, and I love it. I like pie charts, uh, and I think a pie chart, and I like pie. Maybe that's what it reminds me. The charts remind me of pie. But, you know, you would say there's a percentage. In fact, in Romans 12, we have our students do this. 
to say, okay, where, which percentage do you see your giftedness, right? It might just be uh, a, a mixture of all these that are listed that a few percentage of one or the other, but Grant's right is what we have to believe that God just is mixed as giving you a mixture of all of these gifts. These are a general list that you can say, oh, I just, you don't just have a gift of giving and that's it. It's mixed with with all kinds of things. I'll, uh, Billy's not here, Billy Dudley's not here, so I can't embarrass him like this. He is crazy gifted, talent-wise, right, as a mechanical genius. The guy can troubleshoot, fabricate, whatever word you want to use to a ridiculous degree. And I'll bet you he would probably be pretty good at that even if he wasn't a believer. But because he is a believer and he serves so well, I know at least he can fabricate wheelchairs and handicapped vans. And because he is fascinating to use his natural talents in a way with spiritual gifting to serve the body in an incredible way. And, and whatever gift you have, that's to be used in that same way. To pour that out. How do you guys think we know what our giftedness is? What's your guess? How, how would it be a way if you're like, man, yeah, because you said it, Grant, there, it could be that you say, I just don't think I'm really gifted. I can't really help the church at all. If someone's in that boat a little bit, how could they might, how might they know? I mean, for me, I was kind of in that boat. Uh, early on, I just like, I don't really know what I can do. And I, you know, I don't really gravitate to a service. I don't have that mind. But, you know, like a Seth Blevins who's just like yeah. on the case all the time, fixing the AC and you know, yeah. going from one meeting to the next. But So what did I do? Um, and I think it's primarily because our gifting is meant for the local church, we find out what the gifting is in the local church from the comments and encouragement of other believers. I think Spurgeon said that just like with a a, a really ill-tempered man, we don't want to provoke him because we're afraid of what might come out, uh, the violence that might come out. It should be the total opposite of that in the local church. We should be continually encouraging those around us to see the good that might come out of them from encouraging them in their gifting. And for me, uh, it was Scott McAndrew and Tyler Williams had a huge impact from some of the just real brief, few quick conversations that they had, and I knew that they meant to, but they weren't flattered. They just truthfully pulled me aside and said a few things that really encouraged and affirmed the gift uh, that they were saying that I had. It really changed the last thing. Yeah, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about this? I think a lot of times with the local church, there are so many needs, and just being aware of the needs that are out there and trying to fill those needs for God's glory and for the common good, I think you can begin to tell a little bit more of maybe what you're interested in, but also what an ability that God's maybe been given to you just through seeing those needs and you start to kind of see what you like and then what also God may be working through you to do. So, Yeah, no, I think it is, it, and, it's, and it's fascinating. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy using those, and you'll find that as a thrilling way to serve the body or to, to, to serve the Lord, to bring glory to the Lord. And maybe in a different way, then you still have to be merciful whether you have the gift of mercy or not, right? We still have to serve whether we are really 
spiritually gifted in that way, you know, when Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, we're to imitate him in that way. But what you really enjoy doing, go after it. Go after it. And I like your idea, Grant, where you call and let other people help you to say, hey, this is what I see you really excelling at spiritually and bringing the Lord glory. Grant, you want to keep going there? I didn't mean to interrupt you on your Fantastic. So I think the other thing um, from this passage that could be a temptation, especially with the envy, is we all want to have maybe this one singular gift. And Paul's saying, if the whole body is composed of one singular organ, then what use is it if it's all a tongue, it's all a it's all a beer, where would be the nose, where would be everything else? And I was thinking of that in terms of, Mr. Jerry, you and Mark, uh, when y'all sort of started this church, y'all approached the pastor here. Uh, at Central and sort of just pitched the idea to him and he was all for it and everything started from there but I was thinking if it was just y'all no music people no setup no, uh, no Greg no Scott no Ian nobody else if it was just y'all from then on out like how uh, difficult that would be it would be like a pitcher and a catcher with no, no other members on the team uh, even as gifted as Mark is with preaching um, yeah, he could be the, I oh, can confuse Randy Travis, Randy Johnson, I believe it's Randy Johnson. He could be the Randy Johnson of, uh, of preaching yeah. and just be throwing absolute gas every Sunday. And eventually it would still stall out because there's only so much that you can do individually. But when you're composed of many members, so many good things that have come alongside of the Avenue that have just exploded. Uh, there's growth, there's growth of the people, there's growth in the amount of people, there's growth in the reach of it as we send missionaries overseas and I think that's the other part of it as well is when the local body is functioning properly it's more edifying for the corporate body to the Lord because when we see the great commission uh, from Matthew and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you in the whole I'm with you always to the end of the age. And when I think of the Great Commission, I think I always probably just stress the first first part of that, which is the, the cross-cultural missions, the evangelizing, which is which is totally part of it and it's, it's extremely important. But the other part that I, I always sort of live out is Jesus commanding, teaching them to observe all that I have committed to you. And I think that's where uh, that part is fulfilled through the local church. Um, through the preaching, the teaching of the word, through the serving of others, through the ministering of all those that are, that are in the local, uh, local body. I know when Jim Elliott, one of the last things he said to the Washington's with me, with um, Elizabeth, uh, was she asked him, what do I do if I don't come back? Jim Elliott, the famous missionary, uh, bringing the gospel to the Scott Scott would have confirmed. Yeah. But um, he said, if I don't come back, uh, teach the believers. That's what his last charge was to do. And he had this insane drive and passion to get the cross cultural mission. was going to be the first one ashore, uh, and he did die. He didn't come back, and that's what she did. She had a fruitful ministry, and many women uh, benefited from it. You see that there's that both sides of the great commission the teaching, the ministering of the local church, the cross cultural missions, the genealogies, the most active passion. And those are sent from the local church. That's where they're, um, I think it's more effective than the local churches. Rather than just a long, long range of evangelism on the street, not, not, not tethered to the church. 
Yeah, great stuff. Josh, anything new? On, anything else on that? Um, yeah, I, I want to sort of pick it up in 21. I think 21 through 26 are a little bit of a contrast with 14 through 20. And um, so I want to just maybe think through those a little bit and see what the relevancy for us is. Can you tell us the contrast? Because <laughs> I am not caught that when I just read. Yeah, so look at verse 14, and you see, it reads like this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. And then a little bit further down, 16, If the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. And so, we know 1 Corinthians was written to address many issues, but there was a lot of disunity in the Corinthian church. And um, chapter 1, there were the people saying, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow Apollos. Others were saying, I follow Christ. So there was a lot of disunity. There was disunity here with the gifting and this idea of spiritual gifts. So I think 14 through 20 addresses those in the body that were saying, I don't belong here. Or they were feeling inferior in some kind of way. They were saying, you know, there's, I can't do any good here. And um, then I think 21 through 26 kind of talks about the flip side with the superiority mindset. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of where, where I'm going. <clears throat> um, but I want to look at this at the very beginning of the letter. Uh, if you'll look at 1 Corinthians 1, this is so neat. If you look at verse 7, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, I'll start in verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking any gift. So you made this point earlier, but there it is. This is Paul's focus here from the start, is to affirm that the Corinthians were not lacking any gift, and I think by application, North Avenue Church, not lacking any gift. And um, going back to chapter 12 in the 14 through uh, verse 20 section, anyone feeling like they have no role to play, I think that's debunked right here because Paul's point here is what good is a church of all eyes or all hands? And, huh. I think Alistair Banks said, you, you can imagine this, just looking at a congregation, imagining all, all eyes. You know, it's just, it's not a body. It's not as the way God designed it. You could see like crazy. You but, see the, the, <laughs> but the rest of everything would be greatly like. Right. It would be greatly like. So, um, then in verse 21, Paul continues to draw out the metaphor of a body. And um, here you see the note of superiority. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And so we see the purposes for different bodily roles and the parts that we play so that there won't be any division, so that Christ's body will be unified. Um, and again, so that it drives away any kind of envy or division that uh, was certainly a temptation for the Corinthians and I think could possibly be for us too. <clears throat> um, 
I think another thing that was going on with Corinthian church is the outward showy gifts, and we'll talk about the tongues, I'm sure, next, more next week, but these were the ones that people were saying uh, were significant. So the outwardly prominent showy gifts were tied to a person's significance in the body, and Paul is saying, no, 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 all members of the body have a role, and they have importance, and even the ones he says in, let's see, verse 22, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So everyone's part is indispensable, even the ones that would seem to be weaker. So maybe we could think a little bit about applications of this for us today. Anybody have any thoughts on applications of this? No inferiority or superiority with gifts in the church, how this might apply to us. I sure think that this passage show is not saying that we're not um, we're all to go and share the gospel. Now, certainly, there's the different giftedness that some person's going to uh, be far more natural, effective, gifted in that way. But I don't think that ever because it would be the same thing as saying that. Well, then I don't really need to be merciful because I don't have that gift, or I don't really need to give. Because I don't have the gift of giving. I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's at all what this is saying. I think it's saying that certainly we want the folks who are most gifted in evangelism to be doing that the most. If somebody's more gifted in discipleship, let's say, then they can disciple those so that they will be more apt to go out and, and, and share the word. And so, but I don't think that ever... I love your question and your point. I don't think that ever takes us off the hook. I've used it in the wrong way like that. Like, oh, that's not really my gift in this. I'll let someone else do that. But I don't know that, that that's really the biblical way to see that. Do you guys think that's right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, I have a responsibility in my job to live an open Christian life with open discussion about Christ to my co-workers in the sphere of influence that I have. But I'm not going to be every day, all day, out on the street um, preaching the gospel that maybe someone with the gift of evangelism who does that as their full-time yeah. job would be doing. I'm a little different even though I'm required to do the same thing in the spirit that I have. That's the way it is. And I think we need to be just as excited for someone who's doing that for someone else than uh, someone else who's just serving. Like you said, Seth Blevins, maybe way more behind the scenes but incredible ministry just as incredible. Not as showy possibly, or not as you know, seen in, in that way, but uh, just still a great giftedness there. So that's good good stuff. Josh? Well, I was, anyone else with applications for that can go in and... Uh... What about developing your gift? I think that's very important too, staying in the Word and finding how the Lord develops your gift. That the more you're in the Word, the more your gift just I feel explodes and turns into more of what God wants it to be. I think definitely. And don't you think as we're sanctified, we get we just grow Absolutely. in that ability to to do that, and that's and why learning to do it. Yes. Yep. And then those uh, from the Ephesians four passage, we're being equipped to do that every Sunday, every day by those who are gifted at teaching and those who are right. 
to do that. They they help equip us to go and do what we're called to do mm -hmm. each day. I really like that. Yeah. If you were voting one or the other, do you think there's a bigger problem? And I don't know what the answer would this would be. I'm curious what you guys would think. Yeah, you you must vote one way or the other. Would you vote that's a bigger problem that we feel like oh, I don't really have anything to offer, or that we feel like my gift is the cat's meow. Everybody else is kind of out to. Who would vote that the um, that's a bigger problem that we don't really feel like we're um, have something special to share? Fourteen. <laughs> How about who would vote that the the bigger problem is that? Oh yeah, I've got the great gift, and everybody else is sort of lagging behind. So maybe that first one's the bigger problem. That's interesting. So I don't know what that means, to, you know, application-wise, but uh, I think this passage directly attacks that, though. Go back to that it's God's sovereign gifting. He's the one that gave it to you. Don't ever feel like you don't have a gift that's it's needed big time. Yes, sir? I was going to say, I feel like when people are walking in their gifting, it encourages you. Yes. Like, like you see somebody else mm -hmm. abiding in it, and it just pulls that desire in you towards that, but also towards what God is calling you to. Love it. Build, don't you think building the church up, building the rest of us mm -hmm. up? That is certainly when we have seen, we have been overwhelmed, humbled, overwhelmed, and just thrilled to death by the way North Avenue uses our gifts. It's it's, it's, it's so incredible. And we talk about it, and we're so thrilled by it. But it does spur us on for love and good deeds. I knew a guy that wore a little spur on the corner of his pocket there to remind him, I need to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And I think that's exactly what happens there. So, yep. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that the gifts that we have for the building of the body um, are for building up the body with that gift. Let's say, for example, we're talking about evangelism. Um, could it be a possibility that evangelism is seeing that everyone has a great commission to apply to them? Is the gift of evangelism is actually building up the body to evangelize, not just you evangelizing? It's like, is that a possibility? I would have to think so. You know, I know in Josh, as they've learned in uh, their counseling ministry, they want to counsel, but they want to also, biblical counseling, they want to teach the rest of us how to counsel. So I think that would be the same, the same in that. Finish this off here, Josh. Yeah, I think some other applications from this teaching, of course, we talked about envy. I think this is a great antidote or remedy against envy when we feel ourselves becoming envious or covetous or greedy or wanting someone else's aptitudes, we can go back to this teaching and say, well, the Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted me. Everyone's got their own pie chart, and there's a role for everyone to play. And um, we trust that the Spirit of God is that He knows best, and uh, it can drive away envy. Um, I think also, maybe for the person who feels inferior, that it could be an easy temptation to go and be uh, self-piteous or feeling pity for yourself. And uh, I think this is also 
a great remedy for that sinful temptation because um, even if you don't know your giftings, there is a role, and everyone is important in the in the body of Christ and plays some sort of function. Um, I think another application is that knowing we're members of a body drives away this idea of long range or kind of one-off individual Christianity. You know, we just don't see that idea anywhere in Scripture. And Alistair Begg said, said it like this, we come to Christ individualistically, but we don't live in Christ solitarily. God has called and combined the members of a body. Um, those are a few, maybe a few important ones. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. Well, yeah. Can I say something, please? Because I struggled for a while with the thing about I don't have, I'm not gifted, you know, I don't have anything, whatever. And I realized over time that, to me, that either that extreme or the other extreme, where you know my gift is it, and the rest of you are inferior to me, both of those parking back to Christ yep, because either you know when when I felt like I didn't have anything to offer God convicted me and it was like you know you're saying you know better than than me and you don't and you you know I have gifted you in a way and it's different you know it's different from every person in this room but you know so so I can see where they both go back to pride you know that we want to say either one way or the other you know we want to say well we we know more than god does and, you know well, that's so good and don't you think that that's why this these humility passages are laced right yes. into these giftedness i think you gotta be right well no. because you know satan loves to work his way in and render us ineffective fantastic and if he can convince us that we're not gifted yeah. Or if he can convince us that we're all that, yeah. you know, he's gonna, he's gonna. Yep. Either way, he's gonna hurt the body rather right. than, yeah, right. having that right, right, that right balance. Humility and then love. At the end of First uh, Corinthians twelve, what comes? First Corinthians thirteen. Well, math deal there, and that's yeah. about the love chapter, right? Romans, right after that list of uh, of six to eight. What happens? Nine to twenty-one. How do you love each other? No accident. Context is king. If that's in the context, humility and love's got to be got to be the answer. Um, come back, Lord Willing, in the big room next week for um, prophecy. Two weeks from now, tongues. Three weeks from now, the five solas. All of that's going to be great, and um, uh, really look forward to that. In 13 weeks from right now, Josh and Grant, Lord Willing, and I will be back for the beginning of a 50-week study in Romans right in here so 12 weeks 167 hours from right now <laughs> Grant, you close this please
Amen. Thanks so much for your insights and for uh, investing in this today. I think some of what Scott's going to share with us will uh, send us right back uh, to this and the things that we learned about Paul from Scott. So thank you very much.